You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. From the heart of where innovation, money and power collide in Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Caroline Hyde and Ed Ludlow. I'm Caroline Hyde at Bloomberg's World Headquarters in New York. And I'm Ed Ludlow, live at CES Las Vegas. This is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up on the show, full coverage from CES in Las Vegas with Ed. We sit down with the CEOs of Qualcomm, of Mobileye, and we hear from the CTO of Mercedes on generative AI in autos. Plus, with CES underway, Amazon reveals its new streaming feature to rival Apple's AirPlay. Details on that ahead. And Bitcoin, it hovers just below that $47,000 mark, all ahead of the all-important SEC decision on the spot Bitcoin ETF that we still anticipate. All that and so much more coming up. But first, Ed, you are live on the ground and it must all feel like it's about artificial intelligence. Yeah, it's AI everything, but, you know, the name Consumer Electronics Show, the range of companies here that are bringing substantive news about AI is really interesting, from mm. beauty to big box, right? Walmart CEO Doug McMillan, one of the keynote speakers, I'll be speaking to the NASDAQ CEO, Adina Freeman, about the impact of AI on financial markets. Over the next 24, 48 hours, look at some of the stocks of these companies, because we're already seeing moves, yeah. for example, NVIDIA, based on the CES announcements they're making. Yeah, maybe even Amazon driving trade because of its announcement as well. And the cars still front and center. It always has felt like cars have encroached on the tech space of late. Yeah, there is a heavy presence of the automotive sector here, particular focus on technology that ranges from AI and perhaps advanced driver assistance and autonomy right through to the next generation of battery electric vehicles. That's going to be the discussion here throughout this hour, really heavy automotive scene underpinning it AI. I mean, we've got to get to what's happening on the ground in CES and you've got a key special guest for us. Yeah, let's get right to our first interview. Mercedes CTO Marcus Schaefer. And as we discussed, Mercedes starting their announcements focused on AI. And Marcus, uh, I don't know what to make of this. You're calling it a virtual assistant. It is part generative AI tool. It's part cockpit. Explain the virtual assistant to us and what you've announced this morning. Well, uh, I would call AI a real game changer now at this moment in time for Mercedes-Benz. So AI is used in uh, several instances, creating a car much faster, writing code. But AI these days is helping us really uh, to put the car in a different light. 
so the car is no longer an, a vehicle just takes you from A to B. It's somebody you can talk to. And that's give, exactly give me the basics of that. How does yeah. it work? How do I interact? So with it? it's about the human machine interface, actually. And it used to be knobs and buttons in the, in the past, and it was uh, voice signals, uh, phrases that you were using. Now, at the present time, we're using actually even ChatGPT in some instances in US cars, but that's more a one way dialogue. But now with the virtual assistant, AI, and the in house software, we're enabling a dialogue. So this uh, enables a fully intelligent car, an intelligent conversation, so the car appears in a completely different context. And that's what uh, users already experiencing participating in our ChatGPT beta program. So the use of voice control and voice interaction with the car is just rising dramatically by a more intelligent conversation with the car. And that's exactly what this virtual assistant that we are creating uh, with the help of AI and in-house software is enabling. So uh, this changes the relation between you, the customer, and the car dramatically. Marcus, who built the underlying technology? Mercedes, or you worked with uh, an AI developer like OpenAI? Well, the key is, uh, that's our understanding, we're developing our own uh, in-house software. We call it Mercedes-Benz Operating System. MBOS. That's called MBOS. So this is the foundation, this is the basis. This is a chip-to-cloud architecture. So we're defining the chip level, we're defining the base layer, middleware, we're defining also our cloud. So we own the cloud, the Mercedes-Benz Intelligent Cloud. So it's a complete 360-degree system. And within this system, we're having partners. So we're using partners for AI modules, uh, data access. And so we're partnering here partially when it comes to the virtual assistant, but partially the software is written in-house in order to be in control of the result towards the customer and the data privacy. Uh, just very quickly, if I'm a Mercedes customer, do I purchase virtual assistant or does it come as part of a broader software suite? Well, uh, the idea is that we provide a complete entertainment package. So it's not only the virtual across assistant. Across all model lines or? Across all model lines. So it's, it's ultimately about the customer experience. And the virtual assistant is just an enabler, an intelligent enabler that opened up the world of entertainment for a Mercedes-Benz customer. So you purchase a whole package of entertainment. It's video, it's audio. Uh, we just announced yesterday a partnership with Audible podca Podcast. Uh, so there are many, many ways that entertainment in the Mercedes-Benz is taken to the next level through the virtual assistant. Marcus, you are entering a key battleground with Drive Pilot, level three, California and Nevada at first, and customers will be able to start taking delivery, download of this early 2024. What has demand been like? Can you tell me how many Mercedes customers will be able to use Drive Pilot on roads in those states 2024? Well, we started offering a level three drive pilot in Germany last year. So we have yeah. quite some experience uh, in Germany and the interest uh, in purchasing the drive pilot with the S-Class and the EQS is really, really high in Germany. So now we're starting in the market here in Nevada and in California. Customers will receive the first cars um, and the interest is absolutely high. So, but this is a game changer.
This is an absolute new a game technology. Game changer for revenue as well as technology? Will you make any well, money first, from it? Technologically, it's a game changer because responsibility moving from level two cars to level three cars changes from the driver to the vehicle. And that's a fundamental a paradigm shift that is happening here, supported by technology. So there's LiDAR technology in the car, cameras, radars, a software stack, an intelligent software stack, and extensive work with the authorities here in the US to get it uh, certified. So um, it's a huge technology stack and package that we're offering the customers here with the benefit that you are enabled to perform site activities while you're driving. So eyes off the roads and hands off the steering wheel for the first time. Right. This is the only vehicle in the market so far you raise a good point on certification. A big news story of the last week has been the recall, in name only, of all Tesla vehicles on autopilot in China. And the regulator said you need to do more to get the driver focused on the road, more alerts. Do you think you'll avoid a soft recall like that? Are you confident that once DrivePilot is rolled out here in the United States and later China, that it will just be able to, to exist in the marketplace? Yeah, I believe you can never rule out that you are running into a recall. But uh, on the other hand, we're doing everything, everything in the four fields uh, to avoid this and making sure this is a reliable system. Uh, so the intensive work, extensive work with authorities over a couple of years with DMV, NHTSA, and many authorities in the country to explain the system to them and the boundaries of the system, what the system can do and what the right. system cannot do is so essential and to explain it in detail also to the customer. So it's an education process uh, that has happened over the last two years, three years in the country here, making sure customers and the legislator understand the boundaries of the system here. And I think it's very important to distinguish between a level two system, a driver right. assistance system, and an automated drive pilot. The lowest so, level autonomy so, at three. And uh, it's so essential for the customers that they understand what the system is able to do and what they can do and what they cannot do in order to avoid what we call mode confusion. Right. So you should never confuse your customer what the system is able to do. That's why we clearly distinguish. This is a level two car, driver systems, uh, takes a lot of load from you, but you always have to have your hand on the steering wheel and you are in charge. But in level three, you give the responsibility to the machine. And that's a fundamental change with the benefit you can perform side activities, watching movies and doing other things in the car legally. Marcus Schaefer, Mercedes Chief Technology Officer, CTO. Good to catch up here at CES. Caroline, back to you in New York. Love the nuances when it comes to tech within the autosphere. Meanwhile, coming up, we're going to be continuing that coverage from CES. Next up, the Mobileye CEO. You do not want to miss our conversation coming up next. Meanwhile, just keep an eye on what's happening with the shares of Uber and Lyft today. We go from auto discussion to well, the discussion around flexible working and indeed gig working. The pushback is on, of course, once again, the federal government really trying to look at how we are protecting employees, whether contractors are indeed full-time employees or not. You can expect, of course, the Chamber of Commerce and indeed some of these companies to push back against the latest labor law that has just dropped today. We're still up on the higher side, lift up more than a percentage point, Uber up more than 2%. So no great investor concerns at the moment. This is Bloomberg Technology. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop. Customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. 
That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome back to CES Las Vegas. Our next interview mobilized CEO Amnon Shashua, the technology company announcing a range of news items to do with advanced driver assistance. And actually, Amnon, you literally right now are announcing a new one, DXP, an operating system for ADAS. What is it? Explain how it works. Well, it's good to be here, Ed. Always good to see you. Uh, DXP is a driving experience platform. There is a natural tension between the need of a supplier to scale, now create one system that fits all, right. and the need of the customer, the car maker, to differentiate, try to, to make something that is unique to its own uh, driving uh, experience. And, and, and the way that this has been handled so far is let's provide the car maker with libraries, with API calls, and, right. and let the car maker you know, build, build their own system. And, and this doesn't look that it seems to work. Okay, so you're basically going to your space and saying, here is an operating system, so, so, then what? So there are kind of two extremes. What, what we separated is what is universal and what is unique. Universal, say for example, perception. Perception is universal, why? Because there isn't any differentiation to do with understanding the environment, right? A BMW vehicle or a Hyundai vehicle or an Audi vehicle should understand the environment the same way. So th there's no differentiation there. HMI and control, clearly that's in the territory of the car maker to differentiate. Especially if you have a higher spec car, sports car. Yeah, exactly. But then comes the big thing in the middle, the big elephant, which is called driving policy. This is all the decision making the car makes and the car needs to do in order to merge into traffic when you're doing a hands-free uh, experience. Now decide to change lane, when to change lane, how to negotiate with other, with other road users, uh, the braking profile, the comfort versus the safety type of uh, balancing. There's lots and lots of you know, heavy AI there, uh, lots of validation, you know, huge amount of data for, uh, for training. And this is something that so far has been difficult to separate into something that you can just give a library to, right. to the car maker. So what we created, we created an operating system that separates driving policy into the universal part, which Mobileye does as kind of the substrate, all the, all the difficult AI, all the difficult AI parts. And then the unique parts, 
that is a set of uh, code that uh, we, we provide, of course, reference code to the car makers that con controls every aspect of the driving experience. Right, they customize this, the, the OS relative to the model that they're trying yeah, to Yeah, it's just like writing an app on an iPhone. Right? Just like writing an app on an iPhone. You're gonna make exactly. any money from this? Well, it allows us to scale. How so? So because you know we're talking about very complex systems. These are not just the front-facing camera, you know, basic ADAS. These are systems with 11 cameras and radars, heavy uh, compute, and scaling this from car maker to car maker is a challenge because these are complex systems. This DXP allows us to scale easily. From our point of view, we're creating one system that kind of fits all. But from the point of view of the car maker, they have full control of changing the driving experience to whatever they, they, they desire. Let's talk about this, and we have to in the context of last yeah. week. You gave a sales outlook for this year, overall below Wall Street estimates, but you basically said first quarter sales will be down 50% year on year. Why? Because customers built up inventories, they paused ordering to work through the backlog. Mm -hmm. a, a, a question that the street had is why didn't you see that coming a bit sooner? Look, this is the dark side of having long-term commitments. You know, in, during the COVID years, we're talking about three years, we sold 99 million chips during these three years. Uh, we had to give long-term commitments to our material suppliers, and we had to ask for long-term commitments from our customers, the tier one suppliers. Long-term commitment is a year and a half going forward. And it's difficult to kind of forecast a year and a half to do accurate forecasting. So uh, we felt very secure that we have you know, firm purchase orders a year and a half ahead. Well, what it turns out that you know, customers, the tier ones, they gradually built up uh, uh, inventory. Severe inventory? Well, you know, seven, it's about 7% of what we shipped in three years. So it's not that severe, about two, 3% a year. But you know, it was kind of under, under the rug. We didn't see it, uh, we didn't see it uh, coming. And now the first quarter of 2024, all this inventory is going to be used, and then the remaining years is growth. Second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter is the natural growth of, uh, of ADAS. Returning to growth, and you're seeing very quickly evidence that the inventories are now being worked through in yes, this first yes. quarter. Yes, so the first quarter the inventory is going to be depleted, and then we're going back to normal. Okay, the other piece of news is Mahindra you are going to provide ADAS tech for their next-gen cars. Give me some numbers. What does that look like over the coming years? Well, we, we have ADAS tech in India with Mahindra. In and prior with, models. In, in prior models, SUV models. And it turned out to be very successful. You know, the, the demand is about three times, four times what they forecasted in India. So there, there is kind of a, a strong sense of desire for safety in India. What's interesting with this particular uh, PR is not that it's regular ADAS, it's our latest model, the Supervision. 11 cameras around the car, hands-free uh, driving. And you wouldn't expect India to be one of no. those you know, territories that will go and adopt such a system. And um, it shows that in India, you know, new ro roads are being built, new highway roads are build, be being built. And the kind of safety that these systems uh, provide, there is a strong need for them. And India is a huge growth uh, territory, so it's not only China. You also announced a deal with an unnamed automaker. I know you won't name them. The question our audience has for you is, who is the LiDAR supplier on these deals? When I posted you're coming yeah. on, they all said, ask Amnon, who's the LiDAR supplier? Well, it, it, if I tell you, it may kind of indicate who is this Western uh, OEM. Right? 
but you know, we, we won 17 models, both supervision and chauffeur. Uh, this is this is a great uh, win for us. It's all coming out in uh, 2026. It's actually also drive the the robo taxi. It's a huge it's a huge deal for us. I think overall, when you look at supervision platform, we have now 30 car models, three zero. When we started only with two car models a year ago. I'm Noah Shashua, Mobile IC. So good to catch thank up. You, thank you. Thank you. Here at CES. Time now for Talking Tech. First up, India's Z Entertainment has reportedly missed the deadline to pay Walt Disney's India unit for the rights to televise cricket matches. Now, Bloomberg sources say Z didn't pay a $200 million instalment fee to Disney Star. It was due to a shortage of cash. Z and Disney Star entered that agreement, a $1.4 billion pact in August, to broadcast the cricket games until 2027. Meanwhile, JD.com's Dada Nexus says it's investigating suspicious practices that led to a discrepancy in its revenue outlook. Now, a routine audit found that Dada may have overstated both sales and support costs by roughly $140 million, triggering a 46% drop in its share price. Independent advisors will assist in the review of the situation. Plus, Juniper Networks rising the most in nearly 20 years. That's after the Wall Street Journal said that the company was in merger talks with Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Now, reports say that HPA would require would acquire Juniper for about $13 billion. Representatives from both companies did not comment on the matter. Now, let's just briefly return to what's going on at CES, the conference there. And look, there are going to be some big announcements from tech's biggest players. One of them is Amazon. It's already been unveiling its new video streaming feature, similar to that of, look, Apple AirPlay. Joining us to break down why this is important, Spencer Soper. So already you can do... Google or Android Cast, you can do Apple AirPlay. Why does Amazon want to offer this optionality to Spencer? Yeah, so Amazon's playing a little bit of catch up here. And the, the key thing is that Amazon doesn't have a smartphone. So that's why it comes at, at kind of a weak position. But it's realized people are using uh, Prime Video and they want to stream uh, Prime Video on another device. They're going to have to do that through either an Android phone or an iOS device. And so Amazon's recognizing it has that. Uh, have its apps and functions uh, operate in that way on devices that it doesn't make. So right now, you'll be able. What they announced today is you'll be able to stream Prime Video from an iOS or Android device onto like an Echo Show, and that in months you'll be able to do it on a Fire TV and that sort of thing. What they're realizing is that people's devices need to be able to talk to one another, and and uh, uh, that you need to be able to stream from one di one device your phone where you get the uh, signal onto another device where you want to watch it. It's called matter casting. Now, already we know that some of these big tech companies have been trying to agree on the ways in which you can do this sort of technology. But what's, what's so hard about it? How hard did Amazon have to work briefly, Spencer? Well, we know that they had to uh, negotiate with uh, uh, Apple and Google, and those things can be kind of tense, you know, hard to find the win-win, and a lot of times these companies want to be in like kind of a, a walled garden where they, they, they control everything. Yeah. Spencer Soper, I know you're a busy guy. You're about to make that flight out to Las Vegas yourself. We really appreciate you bringing us that particular story. This is Bloomberg Technology.
Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York. Ed, he's over there in Las Vegas. We'll be back to CS in a moment. But let's have a look at what's happening in the markets right now because we are actually seeing a little bit of a recovery. We had seen some concerns around tech, particularly when it came to the chip stocks, which we'll delve into in a moment. But Nasdaq 100 currently recovering. Look, we're only about 23 points. That's less than two-tenths of a percent. Nevertheless, there is some cautious holding into the Nasdaq. Ten-year yield currently seeing a bit of a bid. We're off by one, two basis points across the curve. In fact, some buying into that three-year auction that we're in anticipating but the direction of travel for bond markets really does dictate perhaps what happens with overall equity markets as well we're all wondering where the federal reserve goes bitcoin just down about seven tenths of percent at the moment we're going to be delving into bitcoin in a moment but just caution and, and maybe treading water ahead of what's the all-important spot bitcoin etf that we hope well the market anticipates might be signed off as soon as tomorrow 46,791 moving to some of the individual movers that we're looking at individual stocks that are on the move and we really have been seeing in particular i think this is the wrong one here but i was looking at what was happening in the chip stocks in particular and we are seeing the socks had been showing some under pressure but overall seeing a recovery in chip stocks even after samsung told us of course of their revenue fall their profitability fall and ultimately a worry about the slump continuing in chips and memory and what that means for the overall tech recovery unity software interesting one pokemon go you might have played it i know my son's pretty addicted but look overall they're having to shed jobs we saw that after the bell being announced we actually saw some recovery in the stock yesterday but now it turns south 1800 jobs or so on the block when it comes to this particular company. MicroStrategy, and look at some of the individual movers when it comes to crypto. And we are under a little bit of selling pressure. We see perhaps just a pause in the run-up of Bitcoin prices. Remember, they were eclipsing 47,000 yesterday. Today, we just pulled back to that $46,000 handle for Bitcoin. We're off by 2.5% for MicroStrategy, which, of course, holds an awful lot of the OG of the crypto space. But let's talk about Bitcoin. Let's talk about the spot Bitcoin ETF and what it means to the rest of the market. Aya Kantorovich is a brizzy person right now, fractal co-CEO and co-founder. And you've been in this space for a long time, Aya. And I'm interested as to what this ultimately means if we get the sign-off January 10th. Absolutely. It's a uh, pretty big move. It's going to be 15 years after the initial genesis block of Bitcoin. And what we expect to see is actually a rotation from GBTC, spot Bitcoin, as well as the future into the ETF, because not only is it cheaper, but also from a custody and security perspective, it's going to be a lot safer in terms of risks. You have BNY Mellon, who's the admin for over half of the ETFs uh, today. And what you'll see also is instead of paying 10 plus percent for the futures carry rate, you're going to pay an implied cost of roughly 20 bips in fees, which again is a lot, lot cheaper. So you'll likely see uh, the CME basis collapse, which mm. we expect to be trading under Darebit. So ultimately, people get out of the futures because it's expensive. They go to the spot Bitcoin ETF. And we're looking at sort of a whole raft of inflows. What it ultimately means, will it be 5 to 10 billion in the first week of trading? Will, what sort of scale of, an, of adoption do you anticipate, Aya? I think, you know, the market has priced anywhere between one to two billion. You saw Standard Charter that said they expect anywhere between 50 to 100 billion within, you know, 2024 alone. It really depends. But I would say, you know, today uh, you still have open interest. That's the highest it's ever been on the CME. So institutions are very much long Bitcoin. And because it is so expensive, but also very difficult to trade on the CME uh, directly today, whether it's through an FCM or it's through your broker, we do expect to see that migrate over to the spot ETF, which will just inherently be easier uh, to trade. And Fractal, of course, your, your business that you're building is all about trying to make trading, liquidity, the whole use case of 
this new asset class easier. I'm interested as to what sort of scale of adoption you see for retail. Like a lot of this is about institutional buying. A lot of it's about whether or not I can get it on my pension. Exactly. And so, you know, the conversations we've been having, even we always talk about the Santa run up or the conversations that people have in Thanksgiving when they're home with their families. And really, the realistic thing is up until now, people couldn't purchase this easily in their 401k and their IRAs. And now this unlocks this entire market, which is, you know, over six trillion just in the ETF market alone in the United States. The RIA market is also massive, specific in the U.S. And uh, the fees for this is also relatively low. We're seeing a competition of fees as well. And aside from just your, your dad, your grandparents being able to purchase this, we've also seen a lot of narratives, Bitcoin narratives on chain around surrounding companies that are BTC specific also have a run up into this news. It's interesting, isn't it, the way in which the SEC has been trying to play this. There's been lots of anticipation and perhaps reporting that they didn't want to make a kingmaker. It sort of happened with the futures Bitcoin ETF where ProShares just got ahead of the rest of the pack. How do we decide which particular offering you go for? Is this going to be like a rush of marketing to decide which particular, well, whether you go to Fidelity, whether you use you know, ARC, all the different vying of spot Bitcoin ETFs are? I think at the end of the day, it always comes down to the comfort of the individual user and, you know, the access that they have. If the overhead is going to be really high uh, in terms of changing, opening new accounts, they're probably not going to be want to use it. And so we're seeing one in terms of access, you know, is it already sitting in someone's 401k? Is the RRA already exposed to that specific broker? The second is the competition around fees. So you saw BlackRock adjust down to 20 bips. You're seeing Bitwise at 24, ARK and Venek at 25. And then all the way up to grayscale at one and a half percent. And so, you know, that's also a big portion of it as well. Realistically, I think when you look at the exposure BlackRock has uh, in the specific market, it's a no brainer that they probably have uh, the overhead in terms of just being able to access a wider market. Meanwhile, people who have been in the crypto space are still looking to trade. And I know you provide infrastructure, whether it's clearing, settling, you know, sort of margin on digital assets. They're not just looking to play in Bitcoin. They want altcoins as well. What does the spot Bitcoin ETF mean for ETH, for Solana, for some of the smaller altcoins, the meme coins even? Yeah, so uh, I will be honest, you know, the, the altcoin market has been lagging tremendously into this move. This is the lowest level of ETH BTC that we've seen over the last year. And so it's really going to be interesting now to see, you know, what's the narrative around the ETH ETF once BTC is approved. And also we've seen clients trade ETH E, the ETH future, into the approval tomorrow, assuming that there might be an ETH ETF coming next. On the more esoteric alts, we've seen around the Bitcoin narrative, you have Stacks, STX, which is smart contract on Bitcoin, Ordinals, and Thorchain, Rune. All of these are built on Bitcoin and then also seen a price appreciation into the move uh, with the CTR. I am. We thank you for carving out a little bit of time. Order is a pretty hectic week, I'm sure. Aya Kantarovic, we thank you so much. Fractal co-CEO, co-founder. We always love having you on the show. Meanwhile, coming up, look, we're going to continue our CES coverage. We're going to sit down with Qualcomm CEO, Cristiano Amon. You do not want to miss that conversation, whether it's, of course, the chips that have been used within autos, whether it's in the latest VR, AR. We're going to have a conversation across the board. This is Bloomberg Technology. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. 
That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to our Bloomberg television and radio audiences worldwide. We are live at CES Las Vegas and we're talking to the CEO of Qualcomm, Cristiano Amon. Cristiano, uh, good to see you. Good to see you uh, too, Ed. There is a flood of, of uh, wide-ranging news and announcements, but I actually want to start on your updated XR chip. This is a processor that you are going to put into headsets, mixed reality headsets that will take on the Apple Vision Pro. And I, I just want you to talk about how confident you are that, that you will take on the Apple Vision Pro and at what end of the market you're going to help support? Look, uh, we have been a big believer in spatial computing and I think the XR Gen 2, it's another instance of what we have been doing generation after generation to get 4K spatial computing on each eye. But most important is we've been driving how to bring scale. You see some of the partnerships we have with Meta, what they've been doing with the Quest series. We're working and announced, I think, uh, a while ago that we're working with Samsung and Google. You saw some devices being announced uh, from Sony. I think that's a great opportunity. And the key thing is, can you get that to a scale with the performance and the price point that we excite developers? I think it's a great opportunity. Well, on the scale point, there is a feeling that Apple will come in with the Vision Pro or a next generation at a lower price point and just take the market. Based on the demand you've had for XR2+, Plus. Is that going to be the case or well, not? I think you have to look at this in a different way. I think Apple is doing a great job. I think what they've done with the Vision Pro, it's great if you look at the device. And to bring it to scale, all that this going to do is to ignite the developer ecosystem. At the end of the day, those computing platforms and developers creating content, the more that you have, more content, and that content that they're going to help create is going to be available on other platforms as well and vice versa. It's about creating the next spatial computing platform. It's a great opportunity. We're still in the early growth stage of this market. You have been to many CESs. I have been to a few. It's always hard to find a common theme, but this year there is clearly a common theme, which is AI. And you and I have talked in the past about on-device AI use, particularly in the cell phone or smartphone context. This year, the PC seems to be the battleground. What is Qualcomm doing 
AI on PC? Look, we're incredibly excited and we feel kind of what we have been saying is validated. If we look at all of the other companies all announcing on-device AI, something we've been talking for more than a year. If you look what we did at uh, Snapdragon Summit, we announced Xelite, which right now is the king of all uh, device AI. Computing platform for the PC has an integrated total 75 top stair operations per second. And we started to see what Microsoft is doing, other companies doing, this is exciting. Just to put in perspective, we have over 30 different AI models been ported to uh, the Snapdragon platform, preparing for this on-device AI PC. And it's gonna change user experience, it's gonna change productivity. You look at the number of CEOs talking about how they're investing in this. And when you run on a device, it's more secure and you have context and you have privacy. So ARM, as an example, has been talking about the promise of chips that power AI on PC for quite a long time. And it kind of hasn't materialized until now. When I posted on X and asked our audience, what are you most excited about from a technology or gadget perspective 2024? To be fair, many people replied and said Snapdragon Elite. So what does Snapdragon Elite look like in the real real world this year, 2024? How many consumers can actually sit at their laptop or PC and, and do something of interest? Oh, you're going to be able to do a lot. So maybe just to put a perspective on X Elite, because there's a lot of excitement we're very happy with a number of designs. It's going to launch together with the new version of Windows. Uh, it's going to have on-device Copilot. And there's so many things you'll be able to do. From be able to have a computer now that's going to predict your every moment, you're going to have Copilot when you talk about the Windows ecosystem across all the different applications. And there's a number of other use cases when you think about visual models, language models, they're being developed, they're very exciting. And I think that that's happening on PC, that's happening on phones, that's going to happen in cars as well. Uh, to our Bloomberg television and radio audience worldwide, we're live in Las Vegas at CES and we're speaking to Cristiano Amon, CEO of Qualcomm. Let's set a baseline and say there is still some weakness in the global smartphone market, right? What functionality in this AI era is going to bring the consumer back to start the upgrade cycle, to get smartphone growth like we've seen in prior cycles? Well, it's a great question. As far as the weakness, I think we did say in the last earnings call that the correction and the inventory correction is behind us right now. So we're excited about the market being stable. And then it leads to exactly this point that you bring up. What is going to create a new upgrade cycle that people want to buy a new phone? And we're 100% convinced is what's happening right now with Gen AI on the phone. The way you need to think about it, we have been accustomed to the experience that you have a platform, or the OS platform on top of the computer, you have the apps, and you go in and you touch it. But now, on top of the OS, you're going to have those models that try to predict your every move. And it's going to bring not only efficiency, but new use cases. And we've seen that. We've seen that with automatic translation. We've seen that with web summarization. We've seen that with ability to create content, and they did content in real time, content that didn't exist before, using visualization models, and many more. And something as simple as texting is going to have context that will allow the AI to bring information that you may want to share, you may want to schedule, all part of the experience. I am 
I'm believing the next user experience is going to be based on Gen AI on the phones, and we're optimistic that we can start to see devices as early as this year with those capabilities. Okay, so in early as this year, with that in mind, what is your 2024 global smartphone call outlook? Uh, difficult to make a, a call of the total market. I think we're just happy that the market is now stable, the correction is behind us, and let's see what our partners can launch. Stay tuned for, for example, what Samsung is going to announce uh, uh, soon. I think there's a lot of excitement about uh, the, the Snapdragon 8 entry. Automotive. You are very bullish on automotive and you've tried to position the company uh, to diversify the company, but automotive is a key pillar. 10% of revenue is, is kind of the target 2026, end of decade, 9 billion of sales. What data hits your desk that tells you you're on track for that? Oh, we're, we're on track. I think we're, we had said we're going to get uh, to uh, 4 billion uh, first milestone, and then we're going to get to the 9 billion at the end of the decade. I think we're ahead of those targets. What is really showing traction is the number of OEMs that have been working with Qualcomm and how uh, we continue to add to the pipeline of design. I think what's resonating, the car industry is transforming to a digital industry. But, but what is the, play I'm sorry role. to interrupt, Cristiano, but same question as with the smartphone or PC. What is the functionality, if I'm a customer or end user, that's going to change my mind about buying this vehicle that has something it doesn't have today that you are contributing well, you, to? Well, you've already seen that. See, see, the good thing about tracking Qualcomm progress, for us, it's less about the market size. It's more about gaining share and new models are launching the technology. You can see some of the cars. If you're going to go buy a car today, let's just say the Mercedes E-Class, what, right. what GM is doing uh, with, uh, with their car line and many others, um, you have a fully immersive digital cockpit. You didn't have that before. That's enabled by Snapdragon. Right. Now you have those beautiful screens that are immersive and bring you a lot of information about the car, the road. On top of that, you have safety. And we have a, a vision that assisted driving needs to be in every car. For example, the announcement we did at the show in a partnership with Bosch, we have now announced at the CS a central compute platform that you can have a DAS and a digital cockpit on the same silicon, which basically you can do that for premium cars, now bring it to entry-level cars. Mass market. Those are going to be completely different changes in how you think about safety and how to think about your driving okay, Cristiano, we just have 30 seconds left, but where geographically is the automotive growth coming from? Which markets? For us, it's across the board, because you should think about us as new models launch of our technology we gain share. We're working with all the Americans, all the Europeans, all the Koreans, all the Japanese, all the Chinese. So pretty much the entire automotive industry. I'll be hard-pressed to tell you a car company we're not working with. Uh, Qualcomm CEO Cristiano Amon live from CES Las Vegas. Now, Microsoft's $13 billion investment into OpenAI, look at risks of full-blown investigation by the European Union, the deals watchdogs there. After a mutiny, of course, that the ChatGPT creator laid bare, there's really deep ties between the two companies, Sam Altman and, of course, Satya Nadella. The European Commission said on Tuesday that it's examining whether Microsoft's involvement should be vetted under the bloc's merger rules, paving the way for a formal probe and even a potential unwinding if it's found to hamper fair competition. 
Meanwhile, let's look at another coming together. This one is the matchmaker Match, of course, company that is the parent company of many a dating app, Tinder Hinge. Shares rising after a Wall Street Journal report said that Elliott Investment Management has actually built up a stake of about a billion dollars in the company. Bloomberg's Graham Starr joins us now to discuss as to what they are currently concerned about. Why are they building up? Why do they want to be pushing for change at Match? So over the last four quarters, Match, which owns Tinder, the largest dating app in the world, has seen a consistent decline in paid subscribers. Mm. Um, even though it's increased the average revenue per user, Elliott, other investors are likely to be concerned about that number. Um, there's been a lot of pressure on the company to increase that subscriber number. They've rolled out new subscription plans as well as new offerings to try and get new subscribers, new paid users. Uh, that's likely the goal for the year. Now, something I want to make clear is that there are no sell ratings on Match Group yeah. or even a close competitor, Bumble, which has also seen a very similar decline over the last year. Uh, and many would say this is a normalization. Like, mm -hmm. Of course, like many a stock, it went absolutely gangbusters during COVID because we're all stuck at home, people dating, using apps far more. And then a realization that maybe the way in which we date hasn't changed that much. But if they are trying to charge what, $60 per user, if you're a really active dater, if they are trying to already change things up and Bernard Kim taking over in terms of steering Tinder as well directly, well, what can they really do, do you think? Well, it's not just $60 a month. Uh, Late last year, they rolled out a $500 a month plan for Tinder as well, uh, part of the same acquisition. That they, they bought the League, which is, again, a very expensive uh, dating app that is uh, geared towards career-minded individuals in 2022. Uh, it, it is this, this investment in uh, different ways in which communities can develop or they can develop community-focused dating apps. They also launched Archer, which is focused on queer and bisexual and gay men, um, as well as leaning into these other apps that they own. Ad campaigns, pricing plans, mm -hmm. ultra-premium tiers. Is it just more now that the investor base just thinks, oh good, an activist investor might just start to drive even more change or more view of the, uh, the value of the parts of this business? I think there's also a goal for consistency. Uh, the company has seen churn in its CEOs. Yeah. It has not had a CEO for longer than two years. Bernard Kim has been CEO for less than two years at this point. He's now been CEO of Tinder in addition to Match Group. Um, the company's pricing plans see consistent churn, uh, as you can see with, with analysts attribute to just generally high pricing plans overall. Mm. Um, I think what investors are looking for is consistency that the company can get more consistent paid active users. We'll see if Elliott, Management, Elliott Investment Management can help steer with that. Graham Starr, great to have you on. Thank you so much. Meanwhile, look, that does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. The CES coverage does not stop and continues tomorrow as well. Check it out on our podcast if you need a recap. This is Bloomberg Technology. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.